From the heart of Kansas City, it's time for Real Hooligans. Here's your host, Tim English. All right, boys, are we ready to go? Yes. Let's do it. All right, Real Hooligans are back um, after a small hiatus for the last couple of weeks. Sometimes life gets in the way. The summer break. Dude. I mean, the kids just got out of school. It, it's appropriate. Take a little break. Things went ape shit for a while. Didn't they? So we're back. Tim English with you. Uh, David is here. What's up, David? I'm so happy to be back, Tim. I don't like breaks. We don't have to talk about anything we missed. Did we really miss much? Godzilla. Godzilla. You're just shaking your head at me, Tim. Where, where are you going here? Dark Phoenix. Ooh, no. Nothing. I didn't even see Dark Phoenix. Yeah, you didn't miss anything. I had the opportunity. I, the movie was up for grabs, and it was Dark Phoenix or Godzilla. And, and I chose Godzilla. All right. Well, we got a special guest with us today, Mr. Jeremy Werner. Hey, hey. What's up, Jeremy? I don't have a catchphrase or anything to update you guys on, so yeah, I'm here. All right. Welcome. Jeremy's from Media Mics. But I have unfortunately seen all those movies you just rattled off. It's been a rough summer, hasn't it? Eee. It's, it's about of, to turn around. Is it? Are you, I mean, it's been, it feels like it's just been a lull ever since John Wick 3. Yeah. Oh, that was so much fun. That movie almost seems better in comparison now. Yeah, suddenly, like, John Wick 3 is, like, Oscar material compared to anything else I've seen lately. Uh, One of those we're going to talk about today, Men in Black International. We all saw this together the other night, so... Actually, Um, uh, I want to give a shout-out to the Alamo and uh, Cindy for doing a really good job with that. I mean, I've never gone to a screening and it felt like... I just, I'm, I'm wearing my sunglasses. I'm not going to lie. I lost my other sunglasses, and I put those on, and I'm like, mm, okay. These are good enough. They are. Uh, yeah, so Cindy Rogers with uh, By George uh, PR. She's doing a yeah. great job. Uh, she's repping uh, Sony here in Kansas City now. Hooked us up with some gift cards and some. Yeah. It was surprising. Some other stuff. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That spoils you for other screenings. As somebody that only gets to go to the random screening here and there, uh, you know that was that was a nice one to to be at. Yeah, made up for the movie, I'll tell you that. Unfortunately, we'll talk about that here in a few. We've also got Dead Don't Die, which I liked more than Men in Black International. Um, that's Jim Jarmusch zombie comedy horror. Bill Murray, Bill Murray, Adam Driver. So we'll talk about that for a few because Jeremy and I have seen that one. I have not, so I want to. I want to hear some things. And uh, but I think the big thing of our episode today is we're going to start into our X Files um, discussion. We're going to talk about the first two seasons of X Files today, um, starting with the pilot and going up through whatever the fuck the end of season two is called. Um, yeah. Does that sound fun? Sounds like a blast. You guys dig X-Files nerds, right? Oh, yeah. All right. So it'll be interesting. I want to talk about how you each got into the show. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about its its impact on TV because obviously it's had a huge impact in sci-fi and the way stories are told on television now. So uh, cool. So we'll talk about that. 
Uh, otherwise, news-wise, what do we got? Anything? Did you do a five questions? I didn't do a five question. Fucking He's been here enough times now. I don't think yeah, I... Whatever, dude. Um, Man, just make some up. kicking me in the balls over here. So, what else we got? Anything interesting? We've been gone for like three weeks. I feel like nothing's happened. Um, well, today we got a snapshot of um, Darkseid from Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Did you see this picture today? Oh, my God. I the Snyder Cup keeps going that. on and on. This thing is never going to die. I feel like we talked about this last time. Oh I was yes, there. because Fucking he just keeps God. randomly just dropping things. Can't even believe that I'm Googling this. <sighs> at least you could have brought up like the Wonder Woman poster I first. Am, I at least thought you were, I thought you were going to talk about the picture of West Side Story that got dropped from Spielberg's version of that. Oh, yeah, that's that's right where I was headed. <laughs> no, no. Instead, you brought. Oh, I don't still even want to get. I'm sorry. Right you and I are still not on the same musicals page. Well, a Spielberg though doing a musical. Okay, that'd be his first, right? Yeah. I'm curious to see how he does it. Okay. All right. God damn it, David. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the Snyder Cut though. No, let's not. Oh no, okay. I was ready to move on from that after <laughs> the sentence ended. So also this week, the Doctor Sleep trailer dropped. What did you guys think of that? Uh, did anybody else read the book? No. My wife has read it. I don't know how the movie's going to work if it's following the Kubrick version. Mm. Because the Kubrick version is very different from the original Shining, as mm. everyone knows. Right. And Doctor Sleep uses a lot of the book. As in um, Halloran, I, that's the uh, uh, cook, right? Right. He's alive, and he's like pretty big in the first part of Doctor Sleep. And there's also another part of Torrance's father and um, the hotel that kind of play into it. But I, I think they can make it work, but there's a part of the end of the book that I don't see them using at all if they do follow the Kubrick version. But other than that, it looks interesting. Thoughts, David? I'm I'm kind of middle of the road. I'm 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 kind of ho hum on this one. And when it gets here, I'll probably be more excited for for what's going on. But right now, I'm just kind of like, all right, I'll see you in how many months? For those of you who uh, don't know what the fuck we're talking about, Doctor Sleep is the sequel to The Shining. Yes. Um, it's a Stephen King book, and they dropped a trailer this week. Trailer's got you and McGregor in it, who I like. Yeah, he's a fun guy. I'm trying to pull this, they did do a weird job of explaining what it's even about, other than to say, "Look, we made a sequel to The Shining." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got some nice imagery. Did it need it? So you've read the book. I mean, was it? Is this it, necessary? That that's my big question when I see this. Is do I really need this? It feels completely different from what The Shining was, which was kind of like a, a bottle episode of horror. You guys can listen. Yeah. That's what our listeners are doing. <laughs> Tim's the only one that can see this. Uh, I can. No, it's quite all right. They used a lot of the imagery. 
I mean, it looks like it has the feel of it, right? Look at these church organs. That's what they do with trailer music, man. You know, they gotta amp up the familiar. So, Doctor Sleep, who is this directed by? Do we know? I don't. Rebecca Ferguson is also in this movie. She's in the Mission Impossible movies. And was in Men in Black International. Yeah, she was. Which I didn't recognize her when she appeared on screen. I had no fucking clue until after the movie. Then I was like, oh shit, that was her. Oh, obviously the... Gotta get the theme in there. I mean, you know, it plays well as a trailer. So... King stuff is always hard to adapt... Because he's so descriptive that if there's key elements you leave in, it's weird as shit. And if there's elements you leave out, it's still weird as shit. And that's why, like, to me, the movie It was so impressive. Because it took, like, almost all these great elements and put together a solid horror. And Now they're going to fuck that up, aren't they? Oh, probably. They're going to introduce Man, the that trailer. so bad. Yeah. I mean, the movie may be good, but the trailer is bad. Bad. It's a bad trailer. So, well, anyway, Doctor Sleep looks interesting. Um, it too to be decided. Uh, well, all right. Well, let's just jump into our movies. Show. Is there anything else you got? Anything else? No, no. Yeah. I clearly bring nothing to the table. What have you guys been up to, man? <sighs> just seeing the movies. I did see uh, the. Do any of you watch Glow on Netflix? I do. I do not. I saw the tra- new trailer drop today. I haven't watched it oh, yet. I though. haven't watched it yet either. I'm excited for that. <laughs> I'm, I we, we watch that. Yeah, that's it. You haven't watched no, that one? I it's entertaining. It, yeah. it it's funny how it combines the cheesy elements of actual wrestling stories into its own stories. Yeah, interesting. It's got a good cast. Have um, you watched? Have you watched? I think you should leave on Netflix. I have not watched that one. It's a it's a really bizarre sketch show. Oh yeah, uh, Andy Samberg was on. He produces or yes. some. Yeah, I watched the uh, first episode the other night, uh, and it is different. With, with <laughs> it's Tim pretty. Robinson? Yeah, uh, the baby of the year sketch. Yes, <laughs> just some of the weirdest. Okay, a bunch of adults y- telling like child to die and all this mm-hmm. stuff because it's a you know TV show competition. Everyone's competitive. Yeah, that that's the kind of show it is. All right, well, I'm going to try to <laughs> check this one out. Uh, I tried to watch Jessica Jones. Have you started that a little? I got through about half of the first episode. Oh, my God. Was it the most boring I, shit you'd ever seen? Seri- I went to sleep. And I, just, I, I woke up the next day, and I'm like, mm, I don't, I'm... It's going to be hard to go back to this one. I think so. There's no point. Yeah. Do you watch Jessica Jones? I watched the first season, and I thought that story could have been told in three episodes. All of yeah, those. Yeah, it's pretty much every, Marvel on Netflix. Yeah, every every one of those shows could have been three episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm glad we're in agreement there. I was like, yeah. Next day, Jenny was like, you want to watch another episode? I was like, yeah, no, not right now. Not even a little bit. I'd rather watch some Office or some shit. Hey, you know what? We 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 had a Father's Day in there, and we did in, in yes, our sure, time off. Day. Yeah, so we should take time to uh, 
appreciate it. Tim's kids have been on the show mm-hmm. multiple yeah. times, kicking my ass in games. Uh, little jerk. Uh, but they're 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 a big part of who we are and and what we do. And uh, so props to Tim. Uh, you got some you got some good ones. And to you too, brother. Thanks, sir. Happy Father's Day to you. So. Like your little ones upstairs running around right now, running havoc. I house. think I think she's coloring, yeah. coloring a card for your, her well, best friend, your daughter. Yeah, she's pretty easy to, to chill as always says. So, right on, man. So, well, happy Father's Day to you. Did you do anything fun? Uh, went to the pool. Had my favorite dinner. It was a nice day. What's your favorite dinner? Chicken farm. Okay, that's a good. Love one. it. All right, man. I want to fucking ride some roller coasters. Ah, world's fun. You know. Back at it. thing. Love it. So, hell yeah, man. That was a good day. Yeah. Good day. Did you do anything with your dad? Uh, He's old as shit, so I just grilled for him. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I grilled for myself. All right. (laughs) He's 70. I... Even people like 10, 20 years older than me are like, whoa, your dad's 70? My dad's like 60. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, my dad was a uh, late jizzner. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 39. That's a first on, on this one. There we go. But it wasn't bad where, like, uh, he didn't start looking old until the 60s. So when he showed up to my high school graduation, he looked like my father. He didn't look like grandpa or something. Nice. Because that's always the risk when you have kids later in life. It's like, wow, your mom and your grandpa are here. That's nice. I know a movie. Did you watch the one with Keanu Reeves on Netflix? I haven't the, watched it yet. Have you watched that one? The Always Be My Maybe? Um, I was at a friend's house and they were watching some part where they were at this typical California restaurant with all this kooky food shit and Keanu was at the table. I'm like, why is Keanu in a weird movie Just like this? chewing scenery. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but cyberpunk. Let's move past that and get back to something Keanu awesome. We're going into E3 now? Well, it, it, his name just came up, and he's, he's a big part of right that now. game. Yeah, it, it, are, are we going to have a situation where, where he gets too big? Because uh, this hype is insane right he'll now go, for, for, for that for guy. After Bill and Ted comes out, he'll disappear for a while. In total Keanu style, he'll go live on a mountain somewhere. All right. With Buddha. Didn't we already have Him this and Matthew McConaughey. Didn't we already Probably. have this before with the Matrix, though? Was it that hype, though? Because he's entering the realm of folklore now. L- look at look at Reddit. But it he, is nothing but Keanu memes and stories. And he has moved from the plane of just an actor into this... Uh, Rare category where where you're just bigger than everything around you. But at least he's been doing it for years without, like, you know, drawing attention to him. Yeah. He's just genuinely a good guy. Yeah. Nothing bad to say about that guy. I mean, yeah, I, I think I that's what's fun about him. So, I mean, I think, yeah, he's going through a good good time right now. He's got Toy Story 4 coming. And, yeah. Uh, obviously, shooting Bill and Ted. Is that going to work? I'm not sure. No. But Is he going to be this generation's Chuck Norris? <laughs> Seriously, where they're going to say things like uh, Keanu, uh, like they do about Chuck Norris and all of his wondrous uh, otherworldly abilities. 
Unless he is a living Chuck Norris. See? The 21st century. Well, no, Chuck Norris was 21st century. And that came after, like, the whole hype of Walker, Texas Ranger. I don't know. Um, I know that, like, it was really smart on whoever's developing that game to have him there. Because do you yeah. do you guys pay attention to E3 at all? Yeah. It, it's so dumb that these game developers are like, let's send out our creative developers out there to introduce this game. And they're like the most milk toast motherfuckers yeah, on the planet. Yeah. You can't have those it, that they belong in the office. Yeah. Leave them, a, leave them in the office. 2077. It's, a, it's like having it? your costume designer introduce Avengers Endgame. No sense. It's like, no, get, get, get a big star out there. Even, even have a star that's not even attached to it do it. That game looked like trash, by the way. The Avengers game. It looks weird. <laughs> some, some weird. Does it throw you off that the voices are not the voices that you hear in your head? It's not even. Oh, it totally threw me off the first time I watched the trailer. I'm like, that's not his voice. He doesn't sound like that. That's not him. Well, it doesn't even look like them. That no. Was, that was what bugged me. It's like, why does Iron Man look like a cosplay Iron Man? <sighs> weird. Weird. Yeah, there's a lot of weird shit going on there. So, all right. What else you got? Anything at all? No, that's it. Moving on. We can move into the <laughs> movies now. Let's Yay! talk about the movies you guys saw. Hey, you saw one of these movies. Do you want to start with the one you saw or the one you haven't seen? Let's end with the one I saw. Okay. So I can just sit here and listen to you two. Let's talk about The Dead Don't Die. Now, I will say, I'm... I'm haven't seen it yet, but was excited when when this one came along. I just haven't made it around to see it yet. Dead Don't Die. This is uh, Jim Jarmusch, directed. Tilda Swinton, Adam Driver, Steve Buscemi, Danny Glover, the legendary Bill Murray are rolling in this one. Um, so basically, it's zombies. Yeah, I. It's kind of a uh, a hill a hillbilly zombie land, basically. It it did capture small town America perfectly, up to the sheriffs and you know their inability to be effective at anything. Because I had a professor who was a small town sheriff, because their town budget was so small they lumped mayor and sheriff together. And he that was, sounds like some Barney Fife type <laughs> shit. <laughs> there we go. He, he was telling me that they had a town kook who would always shoot off his firearms, and he probably had like dynamite and other illegal stuff. And all they could do was say, "Hey, it's one in the morning. Quit shooting him off and just leave." And that's how the movie begins with them like encountering the town transient who's just yeah. living on in the woods and. He even fires a shot at the sheriff, and he goes, okay, well, just don't do it again. And they, like, leave. Yeah, and I'm like, that's like, that's fine. unfortunately what it's like in small-town America sometimes. You don't have the police force to stop the crazy person. You just let him be. <laughs> He's just send the mayor out. <laughs> I enjoyed the movie. Um, it was a little dull, slow-moving at times. It doesn't always come together, um, but... For what it was, I really kind of enjoyed it. There's kind of a fourth wall aspect to it that is kind of entertaining, and 
The cast is so good. I really thought that Adam Driver and Bill Murray are just... Good chemistry between those two? Yeah, they're fun to watch, I thought. And Tilda Swinton, I think, plays herself. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she plays herself. <laughs> All right. It's not a stretch. No, it's really not. Um, it, it was... It was bizarre to me Thanks. that... Did you want one? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, it was bizarre to me that um, there was just all these characters, and I couldn't figure out if it was intentional or not, that really just did nothing, that served no purpose, even by the end of the movie. Like the three teenagers in Juvie that we cut to intermittently, and <laughs> then they it, escape, and that's it. Yeah, that's all. Selena Gomez shows up driving the car from Night of the Living Dead, and that's kind of all she ever does. Yeah. Um, they're like weird cameos, but in their case, there were some people who were like, what are they cameoing? I don't even know who they are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, how, so are th- how are the zombies? Uh, Just mean, a side piece or? They're fine. It is, yeah. you know, the whole zombie thing, you know, it's. Um, it's incredibly hard to make an original zombie movie. It, it is. It's a dumbed down, a uh, you know, social commentary on people are zombies. They come back and they gravitate towards whatever they were obsessed with. Okay. Also seem to be very heavily against uh, GOP ideology in it. Fracking and yeah. I mean, there's even a guy who wears a Trump hat, but instead of "Make America Great Again," it says "Make America White Again." Yeah. So there's a yeah. lot of uh, a little on, little on the nose yeah. at times, but um. But I'm glad that it was Steve Buscemi's character. And when we first see him, he's next to Danny Glover wearing that hat. And it's like Danny Glover is just like, whatever. I, <laughs> I live here. Fuck it. Who cares? Uh, so, yeah, there are people. Yeah, Steve Buscemi, Danny Glover. Some of, you know, there's some good cameos here. Um, I enjoyed it. It's it's very deadpan. I mean, the the characters barely even. I think they yell at each other like once in the car, you know, when they just kind of all the tension kind of finally gets to them. But I thought really the, they're, was it the fourth wall break? One of them, because <laughs> doesn't Bill Murray get mad when, you know, Adam driver explains that he's gotten a part of the script that he hasn't. And yeah. Bill Murray just gets mad at the director instead. It's pretty, it's pretty great. There's some good moments. We won't spoil a lot of them. I mean, is Bill Murray, Bill Murray, does he deliver? Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. I yeah. think that's probably yeah, enough yeah, for yeah. me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I liked him and uh, Adam Driver enough, and then Tilda Swinton when she's there, and, you know, Danny Glover. I mean, you know, so like, but at times it just, yeah, it isn't like all the pieces don't... Coalesce. Yeah, they don't, like, it just doesn't gel like, together sometimes and awkwardly, but uh, I don't know. It, was a lot it of did make me pine for a Wes Anderson zombie movie. Because I felt like it had half his cast and some of his humor. Mm -hmm. I think Wes Anderson would be good at a horror movie in general, or at least just like a parody of one. Yeah, it's probably about time that happened, like a murder mystery type. (laughs) That seems like that'd be right up his his alley, right? All right, so um, let's get into uh, Men in Black International. First of all, going into this... Wait, can we have another one? Didn't you do... Do we see two movies? You guys saw two movies, and I... What else did you see this week, this past week? That was it. Okay. 
Dead Don't Die. Men in Black. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Maybe there was another one. Oh, Shaft. Oh, I didn't yeah, see I didn't Shaft. See that. Okay. Yeah. I chose Dead Don't Die over Shaft. So, and I heard that was kind of not good. Shocker. All right. So, going into this movie, Men in Black International, starring Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. What did you guys, what were your thoughts on the Men in Black movies? Uh, Original 1997. I I think the 97 version is a classic mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, when it comes to Men in Black movies, though, I don't like think that there's like storylines or anything that are actually <laughs> good in it. Because, I mean, I couldn't probably tell you a single like specific thing about any of the storylines other than an alien shows up and they need to save the world. Yeah, that's pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Um. All right. So... I've liked them. I like the the third one more than the second one, but yeah, the first one is a classic, and uh, it's one of those where I'm not sure if it needs to be a franchise, but here we are with a sequel. Dollar signs and movie stars. That was bound to happen. And right before this started, do you remember that I said, "Man, I really hope they're not just banking on their chemistry." Chemistry, them two together. <laughs> Really seemed like they were banking Boy, on their chemistry. did they. Yeah. Um, and it was there at times, I guess. I thought Hemsworth's character was really poorly written. Because it glorified him as, like, the best agent in the history of the MIB, but... But that's, like... So incredibly lazy and... Uh, lazy all around. The character was lazy. It was lazily written... Yeah, it was just him. And then, like, based on the ending, what if that was, you know, none of that was even true in the first place? Because we kind of learn at the end, maybe that's not true. Yeah. Sure. They fed him a story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was. But it's it's Hemsworth in in this. He seems to be on kind of a coast right now of doing kind of a a cocky, charming, laid back. Yeah, laid back party boy type. Yeah. You know, he kind of did it in vacation. He's turned into that kind of in Thor. Yes. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. So. At least he's able to make fun of himself. I'll give him that. Some of these guys, I feel like, don't see the comedy in their physical appearance. Yeah. Oh, I, t- I totally think he's in on the joke. Tessa Thompson, I like her a lot. Her character was kind of weird. I felt like it glossed over maybe some important things it could have gone into, like her training. Yeah. Like you said something like, wait, she just knew how to do all this. Yeah, shit. they just said, you know this stuff. And she's <laughs> like, I know how to do this stuff. But yeah, I'm they, like, what? There is that line when she's doing the We Are the Men in Black speech where yeah. she says, uh, You've had all of this blankety blank training on technology, whatever. Yeah. Alien, te- it's a throwaway line that was just like, whatever, we trained her, let's move on. And, you know, Will Smith never got none of that. When he showed up at uh, Men in Black in the first one, it was just, here you go, go do some stuff. Here's your suit. Yeah. Well, I assume that's why they paired her with what they believed was the best agent. Or no, they paired her because she was, okay. She snuck her way in. She all she finagled it. She basically found them. Yeah. 
But she she's given like this mission by the New York office to see if the the London branch is like. The, and as soon as they say there's a mole, I'm like piecing together my mind, and then it's like that you know the bell dings, and I'm like, oh, I know who the mole is. Yeah, it didn't take a whole lot to to sort that out. Which, right. which is really unfortunate because I mean, it, it's almost like you know, why not just have her go do the London branch and then find out like halfway through the movie there's a mole instead of like telling us there's a mole. ten minutes into the movie so that we know who the mole is. And we won't mention the mole if you're gonna go see the movie. Liam Neeson. They've already figured it out. <laughs> just from this conversation, they they're like, the Fuck, "We know who it is." They do. They do a good job, I think, of kind of trying to, you know, create some misdirection there at one point. But uh, I, I think in all of this, the whole purpose of any of the villains completely gets lost because what you think of the are the villains are these two kind of energy based. I'll give it to aliens. them. That, that those guys were pretty cool. Yeah, they did some pretty cool stuff, and they, they looked pretty cool floating around with the crazy eyes. And then they just kind of wrote them off real quick. Um, I, I I appreciated that it wasn't isolated completely to London because I feel like that's what made the second Men in Black just awful to me is that they're like, oh, no, the world's in danger again, but we can only stay in uh, Brooklyn. Right. And in this one, they go to Morocco. They go to that island, I believe, off the coast of Italy. They they kind of go all over Europe. So I like that they... A little bit more James Bondy. Yeah. The, kind of the, you know, international. I mean, they, you know, they're hopping around the globe. Um, I wonder if we'll see a second one. Yes. I'm sure they will try to dish out another one with those two in it, but... I think I read somewhere this was like $150 million. so this needs to make like a ton of money for them to want to do it again. And I don't know if it made that much money. It was number one over the weekend. Let's see what it was. Unless, unless although they may not be saying much, it's only competition with Shaft. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it made thirty million domestic, so it might make its money back. Well, we'll see. I, I gave it a thumbs down. I I will say that the movie got <laughs> a lot better when they introduced Prawny, yeah. which could have been the Jar Jar Binks of the franchise, but it was the complete opposite. Stole every scene. Yeah, come on, every one of them. Former hooligan guest. Yep. Um, yeah, he did. He he stole all the scenes he was in. It, that's really where a lot of the comedy, like, I didn't think, like, Tessa and Chris were funny together. At no. All. They weren't bad together. I just didn't, I didn't think any of their jokes were landing, you know? Um, and can we get rid of the push the red button gag? Are yeah, we over this? Seriously. And the things... We get it. The things morphing into... At least they didn't do the, here's the last suit you'll ever wear shtick. Or did they? Tim, can we talk about the train? Yeah. Oh. The transforming train. Okay, so the train shows up at the station looking like a subway train, and a bunch of aliens get off, and she's waiting to get on this train. And it goes from New York to London. That's how she gets from one place to the other is hopping on this train. So it shows up as a subway car that isn't in a regular subway station. It's clearly at... Some MIB facility. As soon as she gets on the train, it totally transforms into this super crazy, weird, hyper train. There's reclining seats. There's aliens everywhere. 
and, and off it goes. Why are we transforming this train? Why didn't the train show up as a super awesome train? Why did it need to be a subway train covered in aliens? I mean... Yeah, it's not like... Uh, it's all good questions, man. I'm, I'm just confused about some of these... It's those little things Wasted that took effect. me out of this movie. I'm like, that was completely unnecessary. Yeah. You're just making stuff just to make stuff. That doesn't make for a good movie. Well, they always like doing that with... Well, maybe not so much. The first was just so perfect, it's hard to kind of crap on that one. But like all the others, they try and recapture that magic by looking at the things they did right. Repeating but yeah. jokes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make something do some cool transformy shit. Yep. I just have, if we're talking about world building, I have a problem because I believe the first movie mentioned that all the aliens to Earth only come through New York. And yet this one we learned that aliens have been coming through the Eiffel Tower since like the, since the Eiffel Tower yeah, was yeah. built. And I'm like, do these men in black agencies not know about each other? Is that how secret they are? Do they not watch the other movies? <laughs> Right. Which, if they if that is true, I think it'd be fun to do something completely unique and just have these guys like, you know, competing against each other, the men in black agencies around the world, almost acting like their own foreign governments. They might not, they might have to get uh, Will Smith involved in the second one in order to sell anybody on it. Okay, yeah, I'm sold. Yeah. Although Tommy Lee Jones is so old. He's so old. <laughs> well, you got do, do a time travel one and you bring back Brolin again. Yeah. He was pretty good as the younger. That's what made the third one really good is he just captured Jones's performance from the first one so so well. Yeah. And I also like Jermaine Clement as the villain. I thought the third one did some good things. I like Has D'Onofrio done anything better? <laughs> <laughs> no, that is that is a pretty great... Uh, Legitimate question, though. <laughs> I didn't mean that to be that, funny. That scene when he first walks in the house and his wife's just like, Edgar skin's hanging off your bones. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That whole back and forth is just hilarious. So, yeah. I mean, that's, the first one's a classic. Are you talking before Men in Black? Or, or before and after? Or just after Men in Black? No, I will just say as a whole. Uh, full Metal Jacket. Yeah, but how long was he in Full Metal Jacket? 22 minutes? The first 22? He was the Anthony Hopkins of that movie. Yeah. Just that little bit was flawless. Yeah, so great and everything, but that movie is so much more than just um, that short... He carried that character, all of those mannerisms, all of the twitches and voice for that entire movie. I mean, that was... I'm more impressed by that than just an angry fat soldier what about that shoots himself in the face. Kingpin. <sighs> when now he was you're a boy. Yeah. Damn, he did <laughs> do a pretty good, pretty good kingpin. Oh yeah. All right. Well, I would uh, skip Men in Black unless you were just such a fan. I think some people could have fun. And see, there were fun moments. I, I laughed. But yeah, it certainly didn't buy in. I think it's definitely too long. It was like two hours or something. Like it at least needed to be 30 minutes shorter. Yeah, I agree. I think the first one's only like 90 minutes. 
Yeah, and that and there's nothing in that one I can think of that's bad, other than just like you know, nope, the, it's a pretty tight film. Once again, like I said, I can't remember what you know specific plot points are, but you know, you don't see a Men in Black movie for that. You see it just for you know basically the humor. And they're just recycling jokes now. So, all right, boys, let's get into some in some X Files. <laughs> Shall we? All right. X Files, David. You like that shit? Yeah. Takes me back to high school. Back to high school. All right. So well, let's just jump in right there. Where Where did you guys discover X Files? Where? When? How early on? And so I was an impressionable six or seven year old, and my mom could care less what uh, I was watching when I was in the room with her. And I remember this was on Friday nights, and, and I don't remember what specific episode it was when I first started watching it in the same room with her, because I wasn't old enough to realize there's a TV in the basement, and I can just say, fuck this, and go downstairs. But the first episode I distinctly remember was Darkness Falls, the Excellent Lumber episode. Company. Such and a good episode. We were putting up the Christmas tree and watching this, and as a kid, I loved putting up the Christmas tree, but I was way more into what the hell was going to happen to these agents that night. And that was, that's like the earliest memory I have of it. I know I was watching it before that, but that's like the earliest memory was that episode. That's a great episode. And it's legitimately terrifying. Because, I mean, how many times are you just camping at night and wondering what's out there, but you can't see it? This is why I don't camp. <laughs> that is exactly why. Same reason I don't swim in the ocean. I don't know what's down there. Well, also, you're a ginger. so ginger's always Why do you always first. have to <laughs> slap me in the face with that? You think I don't know? I live with this every day, Tim. What, know, if, what if the creatures in Darkness Falls don't eat gingers? And drain off their cool. sustenance. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you just wake up and everyone's in cocoons the next morning. Legend has it you don't have a soul. I don't so have a soul. They don't maybe, want anything to do with me. Maybe they would just bypass like right over you. Oh, yeah. And you would live through it all. All right, man. I'm, I'm See, game. I, I found a light at the end of the tunnel for you there, buddy. I appreciate that. Um, all right, David, what about you? When did you... Uh, so, yeah, I was, in, I was in high school. I was a, a sophomore... Are y'all going to do the math at home? Um, and a uh, group of friends and I, it became a, an event for us. That's what that's what we were doing when, when the X-Files was on. Um, there were four of us, and we'd gather in my basement. And, um, yeah, it was high school, so I'll let you fill in the blanks there. Um, but I, I, I got in on episode three, Squeeze. There you go. My favorite character outside of the regular standing cast of, of the X-Files. You know, he makes, what, two appearances? And, uh, All in the first season, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early, early on and really, really late. Who knew Doug uh, Hutchinson was just playing himself? <laughs> that was such a... Uh, that episode frightened me. To the point of, I want to see more of this show because I've never seen a show that can put me on edge like this show. And and from then on, it was, okay, I'm tuning in, making time. 
So I didn't start watching it till second season. Because, you know. How did you miss the whole first season? Um, I was always out doing shit on Friday nights or working. So Mr. Popular. Um, Give me, I have a life. No, it wasn't even that. I was I usually do working. Stuff. Um, but I, I, yeah. So, Die Hand. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Die Hand, Die for Andy Let. Andy Vitz. Uh, I think yeah, I, I think I made mention of that one. Uh, that's a second season episode. That was the first episode I remember seeing. Um, you know, I mean, I had a ton of people were like, oh, well, Tim, obviously you should be watching this show. And I was like, all right, fine, let's watch it. You know, freed up my, my weekends. And um, I was addicted right away. I mean, started watching it. And uh, obviously I had to go back and you know, try to catch up. So at the time, like you could only buy like the VHS tapes, you know? Yeah. And it would be like maybe a couple of episodes. I didn't have like full seasons yet. So it was kind of a pain in the ass. I didn't have the obviously trying the to put those pieces to together, trying, trying to bend yeah. everything, you know. I don't think VHSs would that be like eight forty. But even like the first season, they would they would release like six episodes. So they would pick like six of the best episodes, and then it was like trying to catch them on repeats on Fox. I think somebody was showing it like ten thirty or something in Lawrence. So, you know, we were able to, like, record, you know, but that's what it was. It was actually going through the trouble of, like, recording episodes. Uh, Looking at the old TV guide. Yeah, trying to, yeah. Trying, <laughs> trying, trying to, to figure out what yeah, is this on next. It was like, oh, we haven't seen that one. We have to see it. So, you know, it was, it was putting piecing together the first, like, two, three seasons. And this was really in an era where... Um, you know, if someone wants to, you know, go to a network with a new idea and, you know, network wants to take a risk, they give them like six episodes in a slot at like Saturday night. But they gave the first season of the X-Files like 20 episodes. Yeah. Like something ridiculous. Like that's really ballsy on Fox's end to go, well, you want to do a show with like aliens, a dude who can squeeze through like doors and eat people's livers? Here's 20 episodes. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it's you had the pitch being, you know, that it's a Twilight Zone type episode and Fox was taking risks on shows at the time. So they kind of lucked into it, really. Um, And it's kind of funny that they would get so trigger happy about other shows later on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so were you guys more about anthology like the mythology episodes or Monster of the Week episodes? Well, what drew me to it was the mythology of it. But, I mean, if I go through and list my favorite episodes, they're not the mythology episode. Maybe few and far between, but it's going to be, you know. It was Monster of the Week for me. I mean, yeah. that was the first episode I got was a Monster of the Week. So everything else was just kind of, you know, Backdrop to me, waiting for Mulder to pick up some file about some crazy thing, some middle of nowhere. Off we go. Uh, one of the first episodes that really like struck a, a vibe, or you know, with me was Conduit mm-hmm. was from the first season when he's helping the kid whose sister was taken, and it's the first time you're kind of introduced into his sister being abducted by aliens and. The emotional journey he's been on. 
Um, and Scully kind of sees that. And obviously, you know, the relationship between Mulder and Scully, you know, for me and my wife now at the time, it kind of mirrored that, you know, me and David, we were talking about before the, before the show, I've always kind of been like the, the dreamer. So, you know, I've been kind of, you know, the, the crazy one with the crazy dreams and my wife's just always been my Scully, um, you know, kind of trying to keep me grounded, uh. So we identified with these characters right away, and uh, yeah. Favorite episode, season one, David. Side, squeeze. Side squeeze. Okay, tombs. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> Moving on. All right. <laughs> You've mentioned these. What else you like? Uh, the pilot. How did you feel about the pilot? What what, what were your thoughts? You saw it late. You you were with it from the beginning. What did you think of Mulder the first time you, you really got to see this creepy dude in the basement? I, I thought the introduction was great because, um, it, it, you know, it's Scully is, is the first one, you know, we meet with. And it's, you know, the, the FBI and the cigarette smoking man going, we need you to, you know, keep an eye on this guy. And, you know, she's misled to believe that he's just a kook and, He's potentially wasting the FBI's time as opposed to, you know, possibly discovering the syndicate in the conspiracy. And I felt like it was really good at establishing Scully as intelligent and very grounded in reality. But Mulder is intelligent in his own way. I mean, we we learned throughout the series he's been a part of other normal FBI stuff like yeah. capturing serial killers, stopping terrorists, you know, stuff the FBI is usually. Yes, he's a, he's a he's a pretty good agent when he's not uh, chasing aliens. Which you know is there, there's the episode um, Beyond the Sea in the first season where another great one they they switch roles and Scully becomes the believer in Mulder becomes a skeptic because there's a person on death row who says, I can help you solve this case. I'm having visions of where the kidnapped people are. Mulder's like, this guy's full of shit. Just, you know, put him in old Sparky. And Scully's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's pump the brakes a little. Maybe he's onto something. And that was Brad a great Dorf. episode. With, yep, yes. Played Luther Lee Boggs. Another great episode. And again, you know, it's like, I, I was drawn in by the mythology and, you know, is, you know, is it the government is it aliens? What's he going to, you know, but it's episodes like that, you know, where, um, they were really well written, you know, and they, they were great character studies as well. Um, this one, you know, was a good one, but, you know, but with, uh, with her and her dad being the, like written that the one where dad dies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like it begins with her having a weird vision, if I remember correctly, and then her getting a, a bet with her dad, and then her getting a call that he's dead. Jillian Anderson was great, obviously, because Fox wanted somebody that was kind of the more of the bombshell, and Chris Carter fought for Jillian, saying he wanted someone that was that looked the part and a little more professional versus. Yeah. Movie star, and they kind of. But man, did it work! They, they kind of sexified her up don't, a little bit. Don't as tell the show me you didn't on. think about Agent Scully. Imagination oh, works more when there's less being shown. Yeah, yeah. Did they have any sexual tension in the first season? Not really. I thought it was because I didn't think I didn't think that either. She looked mostly creeped I, out I, I by think, him most I think of the that's time. Why it worked because 
it was something that grew over the course of the show and it felt yeah. natural. So by the fifth, sixth season, when they really started, you know, they'd been through all that shit. And it was just like, well, who else are they going to? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, there's nobody else in each other. I mean, so, but it worked. It, but it wasn't they, will they, won't they from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I, I think, you know, it, felt, it made it feel like a real relationship, you know. And it showed, like, the level of professionalism both of them have that very rarely did they let their feelings get in the way of the case, for each other at least. Sure. I mean, there's only maybe, like, a handful of episodes where their relationship bleeds over into the case, and that's, like, the don't, the one that comes to mind is the one, that I think it's, like, sixth or seventh season, the one where they randomly go investigate a haunted house. On Christmas Eve. That's such a good episode. Though. It is. I mean, but it's random as fuck. Yeah, yeah it's mean. like, Mulder, it's Christmas Eve. Why are we going to this dilapidated house? It's with uh, Ed Asner and Lily Tomlin. Yes. Great episode. Um, we actually, that is a part of our sometimes Christmas Eve tradition. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. We'll throw that on with the kid, with the kids. Uh, I don't know. You know how I roll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's all right. So X-Files was inspired by uh, Kolchak the Night Stalker in the Twilight Zone, which we talked about. Kolchak had uh, Darren McGavin. You would know him as the old man from Christmas Story. Okay. Yeah. He played kind of a uh, Mulder type investigating you know, these kind of these kind of things. And Carter pitched the show to Fox, you know, trying to make expand it, you know, their FBI agents so they have they can top around the country access and, everywhere. Yeah. It made sense. And then it it went. Um at the end of the season there they introduce Deep Throat as a He's been Mulder's, whatever, his informant. Yeah, because they show, um, in the first few mythology episodes, Scully notices that Mulder has this kind of hidden figure who keeps feeding him information. Right. And, you know, out of all the things, Mulder... You know, I don't think they intro- They don't introduce him to the end episode, right? Maybe, because a lot of the mythology, it's just random, like, abduction and cattle yeah. mutilation and all that. But he was a great character because, you know, they kind of always have that person who's a part of the syndicate and conspiracy who, you know, recognizes that there's one person who could possibly find it all out. And, yeah. you know, they're very sympathetic to the cause that Mulder is a part of. And, you know, even though they're a part of this evil, in a lot of ways, they want to kind of stop themselves from what is happening. And I like that aspect to it because I think... I don't know if we want to spoil it, but I mean, there eventually becomes other deep throats that are added along to the mythology as we go along. Jerry Harden played Deep Throat. He was in Big Trouble in Little China, The Firm, Cujo. That was a great movie. Which one? Cujo. We just watched that a couple weeks ago, too. Look to watch that with our dog. (laughs) (laughs) You watch this movie. She's like... 
the fuck? The scars <laughs> are still there, Tim. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So and then you know, yeah, that was uh, Deep Throat is assassinated at the end of the episode there, and Scully is witness to that, and I think. Mulder had been taken because you know that's what always happens. Somebody, yeah. one of those motherfuckers, gets taken at the end of every season somehow, some way, and or they're chasing a train, something. X Files falls into a lot of its own tropes, you know. Yeah, nobody was hospitalized more than fucking Mulder or Scully. Jesus Christ. I uh, I did make note of what I believe was the worst episode of season one. Go for it. Uh, space. Yeah, space was not good. The face of Mars. <laughs> <laughs> that dumb internet photo of everyone saying it was a face on Mars and it was just a weird rock with shadows. Yeah. And they literally took that as, oh, there's an actual ghost <laughs> of Mars that appears and takes control of people at NASA. Like, you watch that episode now, it is... That might be the worst episode of the entire series. <laughs> it Good is to get it so out of the way I've in season one. fairly recently, but it's a bad it one. laughably bad. <laughs> Ice is another good one. Weiss is great. Yeah. Lazarus was pretty good. Lazarus yeah. is a good one. Fallen Angel uh, introduced us to Max, who would later he'd show up a few seasons later. The abductee dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eve is another good one. Oh, yeah. Well, twins are just naturally creepy. It's so easy to build a story around twins. And I just love all the twists and turns when you find out there's more Eves and that some Eves are good and some Eves are evil mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And then it's like, well, wait, which Eve do they have by the end? Like, it's really great. Yeah. We're all just listing off, like, the best Monster of the Week episodes. Yeah, I mean, there's really, as far as the uh, <clears throat> EVE, it kind of gets into the the aliens a little bit. But they were really just skimming the surface. Like, they really don't get into, like, the actual conspiracy stuff until yeah. season two, which we can just jump right into that one. How about we do? Yeah, the conspiracy stuff in season two is really good. That's when, basically, as you said, you know, they fall in their own trash. But I would say Scully being kidnapped and disappearing for, I think it was two, three episodes was, like, a really great arc. Well, she mythology. got pregnant. Yeah. And they had to... They unfortunately had to like write that in, you know, her being away for a while, and it, it catapulted that show. Really, I mean, you know, her abduction is like a huge element in the rest of the series. So, Scully disappears. Mulder's partnered with Krychek. God, Krychek, that I loved Krychek, man. <laughs> Well, I, I love the fact that it seems like he dies every other episode, and yeah, up, oh, up, oh, here he is again. <laughs> no, there he is again. He's just missing a hand. <laughs> Damn it, Krychek. Um, so yeah, played by Nicholas Lee. Well, first of all, the episode "Little Green Men" was always one of my favorites when he goes and investigates the alien signals out yeah. in fuck. Where is he? Like Brazil or some shit? Yeah. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Thank you, David. <laughs> the host, another good one. Oh, God. I still, every time I get into a porta potty go, yep. I don't want to sit on Flip that. Man's in nope. there. Isn't there a writer who has, like, the, the like, a makeup of that full, of that creature, like, full-blown in his house oh, or something? Probably. I feel like I've read that or heard that somewhere. I'm like, why would you have that in your house? 
Like it's it's such a basic creature, but it's so creepy because it just looks like something that would like eat not you in my house, <laughs> not in my house. I mean, it looks like a full-grown larva with teeth. Uh, Sleepless, another good one. So great, Tony Todd. Mm. I, I know, mean, I yeah, know. that's the first one with Crycheck, right? Yes, that is. Yeah. I thought Dwayne Barry was a pretty good episode. I thought that gave us a lot of Molder, where he's coming from, <laughs> what's inside that guy's head. And, and again, you know, th- through these, you know, these events, they're, it helped build their relationship and <coughs> it created like that natural uh, chemistry and tension and. There's definitely a lot of episodes where it felt like they were starting to find their footing. Um, uh, blood, I, I noted because it's it's one of those things where um, I feel like if you did it now, instead of just like oh, yeah. the copier or the printer telling you to kill people, it'd be like your Twitter feed. Yeah, that's actually a decent episode too. And I and it and it does harken back to that old like climb the clock tower and kill as many people as you can thing. And then, you know, it shows Mulder being an FBI agent at the well, end. How, you know, how relevant is that today? Yeah. It's terrifying how some of these are still very relevant in terms of their social commentary and, you know, the just even like remarks on our ability or, or inability to sometimes distinguish between reality and, you know, the things around us. Um, that episode's directed by David Nutter, who's done Game of Thrones and Band of Brothers. Um, yeah, geez. the Flash. No, a lot of iconic names from this show too, in terms yeah, of like and writers and directors. Yeah, and and we'll get into that kind of as we go through this more. But yeah, he's an entourage. I mean, he's kind of done everything. But yeah, it's just funny how many people guessed are Ryan Reynolds was in an episode. Jack Black, Seth Green, Seth Green. Um, I didn't. I, I, what episode was Jack Black in? He's in the one with, uh, I think it's called DPO. It's the one that also has Old Boy in it that's in. Damn it. I literally have the mental Giovanni image. Giovanni Ribisi. I have the mental image of what? him in that episode, and I'm trying to remember which one it is. Uh, I believe it's season three or four. Let's jump ahead because you know we time jump here. So let's <laughs> DPO. Yeah, that sounds like something. DPO. Like it's season three. Yeah, Giovanni. Season Ruby three. Episode. Jack Black. Even uh, I made note of this, uh, and this yeah, is this just a bunch of crazy actors that have just made guest appearances on the show. Well, as you like, um, for me, it was different because like I watched it as a kid and there was all these cultural references I didn't get. And it was like years later when, you know, rewatching Humbug, I was like, oh, this is like has a, a lot of like Twin Peaks in it. Yeah. Humbug, and another good one. It's great seeing them like pull characters and people that influenced them and then seeing how they influenced characters and people along the way. And then how many times they, like, made subtle jabs at, like, other shows. Um, I didn't make note of it, but I saw that they had a um, 
an actual pornographic actress on uh, one of their episodes one time to poke fun at NYPD Blue. That at the it was either at the time or in, within a few years that it was on like uh, had a pornographic actress to like drum up like controversy, and just the writers at X Files like that's stupid. Who cares? And so they just had their own on to kind of like poke fun at it. And I can't remember what it was. I wish I made note of it. This is one of those things like you read up on when you go revisit this. Oh, it was actually uh, Blood. The one with the... So was that early season two Episode three. Ashlyn Gear. She was on there. Hmm. All right. X-Files, throwing out some porn stars. (laughs) Well, then uh, Scully got taken. Oh, Irresistible? Is that the one? Or no, sorry. I was thinking Monster of the Week. Oh, no, Irresistible is another good one. That's when they get into, is that Donnie? Yeah. He's a creepy fuck, man. I felt like they ruined that character when they brought him back, like, in season seven. Yeah, they brought him back several years later, and, yeah, like, his family was involved. Yeah, he was, like, actually a a hand of Satan or something, and I'm like, you kind of ruined what what made Irresistible so good is that it wasn't even a monster of the week. It was just a killer of the week. Yeah, Yeah. and that was, like, one of the few people that, like, really got to Scully, like, mentally, like, got, like, unnerved her and just broke her down and uh well just like the jillian was amazing in that episode just like the appearance of him later as a demon still creeps me out because it's so unexpected yeah and and i think it's great because scully and Mulder they analyze everything in terms of there are no monsters in this world there's just you know fucked up people with fucked up uh tastes and ambitions and then when scully herself becomes the victim of one of these people she's always been chasing in her life she suddenly sees it as the victim does just a pure monster and so there's that part at the end where you know Mulder views it as i caught the serial killer and she still is like terrified that she managed to escape this monster yeah Yeah, he's like the boogeyman to her now but that's just such a, a a great episode in terms of you know, any drama that could work on any show, I feel like, not just X Files. Yeah. And I think that's one thing they really were doing well is they were kind of crossing crossing genres a lot through their storytelling. Do you think that this show could work the same now as it did back then? Is this show better because we didn't have the internet and we didn't have all of the access to all of the conspiracy theories and and nonsense at the time? I, I, did you have internet access when you... I mean, could you chat room about X-Files every week? I didn't. I mean, I don't know, man. When did internet really become a thing? There was... It was kicking off at that point. But it was mostly, you know, I went to school and the school had internet. I didn't have a computer. I didn't... Um, so, uh, is that one of the last great shows that's not impacted by the internet and and the world around us? It, it, it didn't get the whole Game of Thrones, every frame dissected, yeah, you know, lost, within hours. Breaking Bad. All yeah. The whole following. Absolutely. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, the internet came in towards the end of the show a little bit more. I mean, because it went on yeah. until like, 02. 
But yeah, especially early on, it probably benefited from <laughs> not having the internet. Well, yeah. You know. Um, I would yeah. say maybe Monster of the Week could. Those kind of like stories of the FBI just capturing all these weird cryptids mm-hmm. and other stuff. I don't know if the mythology stuff could. I mean, but that might also be because like, you know, the... I think you could probably find a way to do X-Files again and not be all rebooty, you know, or do a show similar. Well, that's kind of what Supernatural is, though, right? It is. and Yeah, in a lot of ways, absolutely. Absolutely it is. Also, um, Fringe. Yeah. Um, did you ever watch Fringe? Yeah, that didn't last long, though. It was on for five years. I mean, was it? But it was. I was Pacey. about as close to X Files as. That got even more like esoteric. It was like introducing multiverses. Yeah, and stuff. That, got, that got pretty trippy towards weird. the end. Um, but I, I mean, I think that's a show that's kind of that kind of been able to do it despite, you know, and that was internet, that was post lost. Oh, yeah. So. I think you definitely see elements of the X Files in shows now. I think, in a lot of ways, the whole investigating of murders and other that and other things really taps into what you know we see now is basically the true crime renaissance mm-hmm. and yep. murder, basically murder porn on yeah, all those yeah. networks. Investigative murder porn. Like Mulder and Scully, in a lot of ways, were doing that beforehand. A lot of times, they were like called to the scene because someone was murdered, and sometimes it was like supernatural crimes of passion. Especially like later season where uh, that girl can control the weather because she keeps getting dumped all the time. And she kills like boyfriends with the weather. Hey man, that show, that episode basically was like Kansas weather is an exile. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, come on. Um, so season two introduced the alien bounty hunter. What did you guys think of that dude? Um, I, th- I thought it was smart on their end by saying there's other races of aliens in this galaxy. And some of those races just absolutely hate each other. And some of those races don't mind us. Some are looking to do nefarious things with us. Better be on your toes. Yeah, he was he was fun whenever he'd show up with his little... Well, he didn't have the, the little thing. That's how you killed him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stab those fuckers in the neck. Show probably could have used. He a just always more did that, you know. It was always the same, where he kind of like turned his face, and then he'd shift because that was how their, that was how their effect worked. Yes, you know, it, like we've designed to, this one you thing. Have to, you have to turn your face, and then you will, we'll turn you into somebody else. Half the effect. Um. All right. So, bad episodes from that season. Any of any of those stand out? The vampire one. Was that three? That was the yes. one. That was the one that took place while Scully was yeah. abducted. Uh, and it was like, work for me. <laughs> it's like wow. I I didn't. You know, at the time, it was like I didn't know it was possible to make vampires this fucking boring. <laughs> and then Twilight <laughs> came out. Sparkly vampires. David, anything that for you? No, I thought season two. It's a mostly solid season. Was probably about as solid of a season from top to bottom as as that show has. I think it's almost fair to say, like, seasons two through six, it's nearly flawless. 
bumps in the road here and there, but nothing that jumps out as, oh, yeah. my God, why am I watching this show? Terry O'Quinn was in an episode. I think he popped up in another episode and then was also in the movie, the first movie. Oh, okay. Like, even a bad episode. Played John like, Locke. Like, even, like, a, a I get what you would say, a bump in the road. It was still decent. Yeah, that's it what I'm saying. Fun. It wasn't... A, a down episode for them was not a, a huge deal. It wasn't... Yeah. <laughs> Tony Shalhoub was in an episode. Soft oh, White. He's yeah. been in every show, hasn't he? Yeah. Was that the one where it almost feels like like fucked up X-Men? Like there's people with like these weird powers and you find out the government's like manipulating them to like yeah. turn them into weapons? Our town, what's this episode? Yeah, this has been kind of fun to go back and look through these episodes. Is it streaming on it, anything? I don't think it's on. It used to be on uh, Netflix. I don't I think it's just, on Netflix right now. I would just flip that on sometimes and just watch you know classic episodes. Anasazi was the season finale. Is that the one where Mulder gets thrown into the rail car? Yes. And Smoky Man does the burn it. Yeah. Yeah, he's chasing down that train car because it has, like, an alien corpse or something on it. Yeah. Mitch Pelegi. We haven't mentioned him yet. Good old Skinner. I got to meet him at, I don't know, Planet Comic Con or something yeah. a couple of years ago. That was pretty awesome. As great as his character was, it was always a little frustrating because you never knew how much he actually knew. It was irritating. And it really seemed to fluctuate. Yeah. Like, there never seemed to be an answer. Or there'd be times where he'd go to the cigarette smoke man. He's like, you said you wouldn't kill Mulder. It's like, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> yeah, right. What did you think would happen? Uh, how about the lone gunman? Oh, they were great. The, they were introduced in first season. Yep. Yeah. BBE. We just didn't really talk much about them. Well, the first time they're introduced, they're just kind of like a, a footnote almost. Because it's almost like Mulder goes, yeah, I know these nerds. And then they move <laughs> on. <laughs> he knows a lot of nerds, though. But they were so great because um, one of them had this infatuation with Scully, but it was never creepy. Slightly. Um, and then there was the one who was buttoned down, dressed up, clean cut, clean shaven, and you're like, what's this dude doing here? Byers. Yeah. Yeah, Frohickey was the creepy one. And then there was Langley, Dean ha played by Dean Hagland, who we met him in Lawrence one year. He did, was doing a stand-up. And so we were like, all right, let's go see that dude from X-Files. And, and how was it? He was pretty funny. And yeah. then, like, you know, because it was a little club in Lawrence, you know, he hung out after the show, and we just sat there and talked to him for a little while about X-Files and shit. So, yeah, I think. You know, I, it was hanging out. Uh, yeah. It was the, over the, there. Among the, yeah, among the crap I have around here is somewhere is a, is an autographed picture of Dean Hagland. Isn't the story, like, they've, they were, they basically, like, found him as an actual like what they visually thought the lone gunman would be like basically found him like talking about conspiracy theories and aliens and shit maybe 
Because I feel like that kind of those kind of characters benefit from actually believing what their characters believe. And I always love how even like, you know, like season eight and nine, the episodes with them were still good just because of who they were as characters. Yeah. And then they tried their own show. Yeah, and I... I don't think that ever worked. There was one episode I remember, and it was really good. It was them uh, trying to find, like, this guy who invented a way for cars to run off water. And by the time they catch up to him, he's basically trying to destroy it. And they're like, why are you trying to destroy this? This could save the world. This could, you know, end greenhouse gases and emissions and all that. And he goes, "I, I only invented cars. All our lives are dictated by oil. I take one piece away, then everything else just keeps getting consumed by it. He's like, if anything, we're just going to build more roads and keep driving, and that requires oil. And he like goes on and on and like basically explains how we're just addicted to oil. It was a very pro-environment episode, and it was like released in the late 90s. Captain Planet. <laughs> there you go. Uh, David, anything else about season two? Um, season two did exactly what I needed season two to do, and that was reaffirm this show is on to something, and it's going places, and I'm going to. And um, it, it, it didn't suffer that slump, that season two slump, where you're kind of like, okay, get going somewhere. Let's Let's see where this... Uh, is had I mean it was a steady progression and uh, enjoyable. Jeremy, anything? Um, <clears throat> I think I mentioned Humbug once, but I think that was maybe the first really great piece of meta TV and really set the tone for a lot of future comedic episodes. Yeah, see, and that's something they really got good at for a while is the meta kind of making fun of themselves and yeah you know there was just times where like the episodes weren't even like real episodes like they never really happened they just kind of were like yeah you know uh-huh. you know just kind of a joke episode but yeah definitely started with that and humbug i think just Darren has, morgan was one of the writers on yeah that. throw his name out there and it has like one of the greatest scenes ever where they're at the funeral for the the circus freak who was killed at the beginning of the episode and everyone's in attendance and all of a sudden the guy whose entire body is just tattooed jigsaw puzzles just climbs out of the coffin like and just scares like everyone away except for Mulder and Scully who are just like dead eyed looking at this <sighs> thing happening in front of them going oh, okay yep whatever ain't it just another day at the office yep and it feels and it feels like that's such a good encapsulation of what this show was that it almost got to a point where nothing could, bo- nothing could like you know surprise them anymore. By the end, yeah, they were good together, and yeah, that was a great episode. And you're you're right. Let's see, what, Dean Norris was in another episode. So just so oh, many wow. people. Who was he? He was in the episode F Emasculata. Which was right. It was right after Humbug. Scully investigates the spread of a deadly contagion at a prison. 
Oh, that one is easily the most gross thing I've ever seen. Mulder chases the two convicts. Yeah. Those that all those boils popping throughout Ugh. that episode. Oh my god. Even by today's standards, that episode is disgusting. But I love that part, and it's it's so uh, pandemic slash contagiony, and that part where you know that Mulder finally figures out what's happening, and he goes into the basement of the uh, prison, and he finds out they're basically just incinerating the bodies, mm-hmm. and it's like we're trying to stop the contagion, and he goes, "No, you're you're trying to conceal this massacre you've unleashed on this prison." And it's like, well, you know, you guys can have your cake and eat it, too. You're both right. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Ugh. I'm surprised I didn't make note of that. that one was super gross. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and watch some more episodes from season two here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they really found their stride. They left off with Anasazi where he got stuck in that freight car and did what X-Files does best, and that's fucking leave you hanging. Leave you stranded. Yeah. Leave you hanging, but we'll get into seasons three and four here in a few weeks. We'll kind of... Yeah, I need to get some good season three and four episodes in. Before we go, I do have one thing we need to figure out, dude, and me and you are probably going to need to get together some night and hammer this shit out. We got to spend more time together? <clears throat> I want to do... Well, A, we all right, have an episode we're coming up we're going to do in Lawrence. Yep. Road we're, trip. We're going to watch the, the movie Jayhawkers. Okay. Rock Chalkers. And uh, maybe like Ride with the Devil or something. You ever seen that one? I don't believe I have. It's about, you know, Missouri oh. and Kansas fighting each other in the Civil War. Oh, fuck Mizzou. Uh, yeah. Um, Toby Maguire and S- Skeet Ulrich. Skeet, what? Skeet, his name? Skeet. Why would you name your child after... Whoops. What? Um, Jewel, I think, is in that. Ooh. Ang Lee directed it. What about that uh, Day After Tomorrow? Uh, oh, we could watch that one, too. The <laughs> Missile Silos, yeah. and yeah, that'd be a good it's one. Out there. That's a good Lawrence So one. there's three movies that were, you know, kind of Wizard of Oz thing. And uh, we got, uh, I think John Nickham and Eric Moline are going to meet us out there and have some beer. You can't see us, it, so. but I'm air guitaring. So Eric, there is an air guitar thing in Lawrence next weekend. If you want to go, right on Saturday night. I've been. Let's go. Should be fun. They've shut down part of Mass Street, and it's over by the Eric rocks the hell out by the bourgeois pig. Well, he's not. You know, he's he's not air air guitaring anymore. He's just like the host of it. Did he hang up the air guitar? I guess. You can only be world champion so many times, I guess. Well, and he kind of, you know, he does like the social media for uh-huh. uh, the world air guitar. And basically, like, after he defended his world championship and got like third place, he basically turned and was like, hey, so who does your whatever Facebook page? Yeah. They're like, nobody really. And he's like, I'll do it. <laughs> Just fly me out to so he gets free. So he just to goes to all of the, the <clears throat> big ones. Yeah. Goes out to Finland or whatever. And I think this year or something is like his last year or something. But whatever. So, yeah, there's a deal in Lawrence next week if you're local. I, I think I might go out there. So Okay. Anyways, all right. What else? Oh, yeah. So what we need to figure out is. When we're, we're going we're, to Lawrence. Spider-Man episode. Ooh. I, I thought maybe we'd do like a uh, 
like a tournament battle of like best comic book movies. Okay. So I'm down for that. What I would like to do is discuss not today, but have this be an ongoing, you know, social media discussion, maybe top four seeds. Hmm. I need time. Yeah. So I I cannot answer that. All superhero movies. I mean, you know, I'm including unbreakable could be on this list. Incredibles. Why would it be? Incredibles. Okay. I mean, is uh, is Unbreakable one of the sixty four best? No. What superhero nope. movie? Ooh, it's not. I would beg to differ. It's not. Okay. Well, is there even sixty four superhero movies? Oh, there's. Uh, I mean, there, yeah, there, there are. It's crazy. So, and then it's like, how do we do it? Do we have like a Marvel bracket, a DC bracket, a Fox bracket? I mean, I don't know. No. Under, Why should DC or, get to to <laughs> have the privilege of like, beating up on itself? Uh, I mean, you see what I'm saying here. It's like, how, how do we do this? They do it by decades or uh, year spans. Yeah, it's like, are we, you know, I ha- I kind of have a top four seeds in my head. I'm not going to say it right now, but it might what mine might be. It's kind of evolved a couple times, but as I think about other stuff, anyways, I can't say food for thought. All right, all right. So, real hooligans, thanks for joining us, Jeremy. Thank you. Tell everybody where we can follow you. Follow me at Jeremy Loaf on Twitter. Uh, don't add me on Facebook. It's creepy. I have enough people do that through my job. Yeah. Um, you can, I think you can follow me on Instagram, Jeremy Loaf, but all I post is pictures of abandoned buildings I find in Kansas City. So Very interesting. That, that's your thing. I, say. Um, I, like I write for Media Mics, and then I do Blu-ray reviews for Flick 66. Uh, that's pretty much it. David. No, don't. Just don't do it. You can find me at DMC Keeper. All right. On Twitter and Instagram. But don't. Pictures of his family and the lovely things he does as a father. Sure. <laughs> sure, sure. All right. Also follow Real Hooligans on Facebook <clears throat> and Twitter and Instagram. Follow and Tim. Whatever. Spotify and iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. Review us if you listen. Send us your comments. Yeah. Your concerns. Questions. Your insults. Whatever, dude. Whatever, dude. We're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about toy stuff. Toy movies. Toys. You're going to have to narrow that down. Toys. How about the toy? Okay. Children's toys. One of the okay, co- children's toys. That's where I was headed. Well... I don't know. <laughs> you know me, my mind goes in different ways. In five years, Seth Toy Rogen. Story 4 is the big movie next week. Okay. We've also got Annabelle Comes Home coming out next week. I'm seeing both of those. Oh, you can follow my my written reviews on Seeing Steelers. That's the other thing. So, all right. That's it. X-Files episode. The truth is out there. <laughs> <laughs>